360 degrees. Ha ha, 360 degrees. Ha ha, 306, 306, 360 degrees. Ha ha. Full Circle, a multicultural magazine program produced by participants, graduates, and volunteers of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. This show is broadcast from Ho Chen, occupied Ohlone territory, also known as the East Bay. Tonight, we bring you an archived Full Circle production, which celebrated Black History Month in February 2006. The show hosts were Pauline Winter and Ty E. Robinson, and it was recorded live in the KPFA studios. You'll hear a poem by June Jordan, spoken word from Langston Hughes, a tribute to Coretta Scott King, a Black History Month vox pop from Berkeley High School students, and music from the Ben Oni Orchestra. Keep it locked. Stay tuned and don't touch that dial. Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural and public affairs radio magazine. We're your hosts, Tai Robinson and Pauline Winter. Last Friday, we explored various issues around the theme of racism and discrimination. This week, we continue to celebrate Black History Month with poems from Langston Hughes and June Jordan. We'll continue to explore the meaning of Black History Month through the feelings of some Berkeley High School students. We have a piece honoring Coretta Scott King. And we also have a special treat for our Full Circle listeners. The Ben Oni Orchestra is live in the performance studio. Under the direction of Dr. Curtis Shaw, they're going to grace us with some fantastic jazz arrangements. Stay tuned, because we are live. Langston Hughes was born James Langston Hughes in Joplin, Missouri, February 1st, 1902. He has mostly been known for his many plays, poems, and short stories. His most famous poem was The Negro Speaks of Rivers. Here is another Langston Hughes poem entitled I Too Sing, America. I too sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes, but I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful we are and be ashamed. I, too, am America. Next, Leali Ibrahim goes back to school. Well, to Berkeley Alternative High School, that is, to find out what Black History Month means to students there and who they honor during this special month. What does Black History Month mean to you? just this one month that we can all just sit around and celebrate of all colors and acknowledge all the blacks that's came and done something different and positive for us. 
Black History Month means to me um, time to look back at, at our forefathers or the people that helped us get to where we are, helped us to get freedom and to be equal. It's our time. We don't get any recognition any other time of the year, so why not shine this month? I think it represents a lot for the uh, the black people in their community because it's like a month just for them, like of what the blacks from the past did during like their times and their struggles and everything. Um, Black History Month to me means a lot because it has to do everything with our future. Hard working, struggle, and a lot of pride. Some today are making changes too, so I acknowledge this month because of that. It's about freedom, equalness, and it's about God. A lot of people are making differences now. That's a good thing because that just shows that blacks are still trying to make a future. Hope. We always had hope as slaves. Remember, just remember who you are. Remember where you came from. And um, unity. I wish I could kick that in there too. It's about black, beautiful life. For me, it's about stopping violence. Young kids, young black kids lose sight of where they came from and how hard people work so that we can actually, you know, walk around. Because we, we, we can't walk around at all. Everybody want to shoot everybody. But that's not what Black History Month is about. Black History is a month to celebrate African Americans through everything because we went through a lot. I'm glad I gave you February because February is my birthday, Langston Hughes' birthday. Who do you honor during Black History Month? This is in remembrance of our ancestors. So I really acknowledge every black person that has done something for the future, for us. Rosa Parks, um, Martin Luther King's wife, Coretta Scott King, everybody. Uh, everybody that made it possible for us these days. When they say, oh, Black History Month, they off top think Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, you know, Malcolm X, you know. But Harriet Tubman, she helped free a lot of slaves. Just to say a few, that wouldn't even be right because uh, there was a lot of people in Black History Month that didn't have big titles, but they did do their share inside of it. I just recognized that we did it all as a whole because we couldn't do it one by one, you know. Martin Luther King, of course, Rosa Parks, Langston Hughes, Oprah Winfrey. Those are just a few of the names that paved our way for young people today. They taught us so much about Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, and everybody else, but that's all everybody knows. They don't pay attention to the other ones, that, like the people that, you know, not really mentioned. John Coltrane and Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie. Cause I like music, I also would say Bob Marley and Jimi Hendrix. I like him too. I acknowledge Mary J. Blige a lot because she speaks from her heart and a lot of things she say, a lot of people can feel what she's saying. It's just everybody as a whole, black people, you know? Madam C.J. Walker because now that we have the hot comb invention and other beauty things. If I was to choose one out of anybody, I would have to say Martin Luther King. He was like the biggest of them all. And he was like the Godfather. Dr. Martin Luther King. King. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for many of these black people. Your memory still lives on in me. You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. We're your hosts, Tai and Pauline. Today's show is a celebration of Black History Month. As we continue to celebrate Black History Month, we're going to take a look at the work of another great poet. 
When June Jordan was a little girl, her father taught her how to box, and she kept fighting throughout her life. Jordan battled words to heal the cultural, political, and economic wounds in our society. Her tenacity as a writer propelled her to become the most published African-American writer of our time. Here is one of her pieces entitled In Memoriam, Martin Luther King Jr. This poem is in the memory of Martin Luther King Jr. Honey, people, murder, mercy, USA, the milk lantern to monsters, teach to kill, to violate, pull down, destroy the weekly freedom growing fruit from being born, America. Tomorrow, yesterday, rip, rape, exacerbate, despoil, disfigure, crazy, running threat, the deadly thrall, appall, belief, dispel the wildlife, burn the breast, the onward tongue, the outward hand, deform the normal, rainy, riot, sunshine, shelter, wreck of darkness, derogate, delimit, blank, explode, deprive, assassinate, and batten up like bullets, fatten up the raving greed, reactivate a springtime terrorizing, Death by men, by more than you or I can stop. They sleep who know a regulated place, or pulse, or tide, or changing sky, according to some universal stage direction, obvious like shore-washed shells. We share an afternoon of mourning in between no next predictable, except for wild reversal, hearse rehearsal, bleach the black long lunging ritual of fright, insanity, and more deplorable abortion, more and more. Coretta Scott King has played an instrumental role in the fight for equal rights and justice. We here at Full Circle would like to take this time to honor her with a piece put together by our very own Idris Hassan. Thousands of mourners paid their respects to Coretta Scott King on Tuesday, February 7th in Georgia. She passed on January 30th, 2006, after a long battle with ovarian cancer and the effects of a stroke. People braved cold weather and long lines to say farewell to this brave and brilliant activist. Coretta Scott, born April 27, 1927, in Perry County, Alabama, was the second of three children born to Obadiah and Bernice Scott. She grew up in the two-room house her father built on land that had been owned by the family for three generations. The family was poor, and she grew up picking cotton in the hot fields of the segregated South. As someone from the rural South without many cultural advantages who picked cotton as a child, I have never had any problems identifying with my own heritage. I knew for certain that no matter how far I would climb, I could never forget my origins or look down upon the kind of people who were my own. Undeterred from her humble beginnings, Coretta received her B.A. in music at Antioch College in Ohio, where she also began her journey into activism by joining the local chapters of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or the NAACP. While studying music and voice training at Boston's New England Conservatory of Music, she met Martin Luther King, Jr., who was studying at Boston University's School of Theology. A year later, the two were married at the Scott family home near Marion, Alabama, on June 18, 1953. Before I was a king, I was a Scott. 
If I had been a weak, fearful woman, Martin would have been forced to pull back or curtail some of his campaigns. But I brought to the marriage a spirit of not only my mother's discernment, but my father's strength. Even before the wedding, she made it clear she intended to remain her own woman. She stunned Dr. King's father, the Reverend Martin Luther King, Sr., who presided over the wedding, by demanding that the promise to obey her husband be removed from the wedding vows. I once told Martin that although I loved being his wife and a mother, if that was all I did, I would have gone crazy. I felt a calling on my life from an early age. I knew I had something to contribute to the world. I was married to the man whom I love, but I was also married to the movement. Coretta Scott King put her musical training to use throughout the black freedom struggle by orchestrating freedom concerts, which included poetry, singing, and lectures to raise awareness about the civil rights movement. The proceeds from these concerts were donated to the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, also known as SCLC, which was co-founded by Martin Luther King Jr. in 1957 to coordinate the action of local protest groups throughout the South. Dr. King always described his wife as a partner in his mission, not just a supportive spouse. I had no problems being the wife of Martin, but I was never just a wife. In the 1950s, as a concert singer, I performed freedom concerts, raising funds for the movement. I ran my household, raised my children, and spoke out on world issues. Maybe people didn't know that I was always an activist because the media wasn't watching. Mrs. Scott King has been seen as an inspirational figure around the world and a woman of enormous spiritual depth. After Dr. King's assassination on April 4, 1968, Coretta Scott King devoted much of her life to spreading her husband's philosophy of nonviolence. In the face of tragedy, she held her family together and became an inspirational presence around the world. I carried myself in the ladylike fashion that I had learned from my mother, who would always behave with great dignity. In the South, since black women were so disrespected by whites, our response was to push our shoulders back, keep our head high, and walk with dignity. As we honor and celebrate the life of Coretta Scott King, let us remember her as a woman of substance, a partner in the dream, and a fighter of freedom for all. The quotes in this segment were taken from an article by Barbara A. Reynolds, which was published in the Washington Post and read by Mickey Mays. We will now hear excerpts from a speech Coretta Scott King gave to a group in New York a few weeks after the death of Martin Luther King, Jr. You who have worked with and loved my husband so much, you who have kept alive the burning issue of war in the American conscience, you who will not be deluded by talk of peace, but who press on in the knowledge that the work of peacemaking must continue until the last gun is silent. We must now turn our attention and the sole force of the movement of people of goodwill to the problems of the poor here at home. My husband always saw the problem of racism and poverty here at home and militarism abroad as two sides of the same coin. In fact, it is even very clear that our policy at home is to try to solve social problems through military means, just as we have done abroad. 
The interrelatedness of domestic and foreign affairs is no longer questioned. The bombs we drop on the people of Vietnam continue to, to explode at home with all of their devastating potential. And so I would invite you to join us in Washington in our effort to enable the poor people of this nation to enjoy a fair share of America's blessings. There is no reason why a nation as rich as ours should be blighted by poverty, disease, and illiteracy. It is plain that we don't care about our poor people except to exploit them as cheap labor and victimize them through excessive rents and consumer prices. For Full Circle, this is Idris Hassan. That was a piece put together by Idris Hassan, honoring Coretta Scott King. You're listening to KPFA 94.1 FM. This is Full Circle. We are your hosts, Tai and Pauline. Greetings, KPFA listeners. Join more here to appeal to your love and appreciation of KPFA and especially our Full Circle radio program. This show is created and produced by current and graduate members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, established about 40 years ago. The mission of the First Voice Apprenticeship is and always has been to build a lasting institution for women, people of color, youth, and other underserved communities to learn media broadcasting skills, develop equity in media broadcasting principles, and provide access to community voices. Since 2002, here on Full Circle, we've used what we've learned to produce this weekly cultural affairs radio magazine. Our past broadcasts have featured a myriad of community social justice advocates, such as Doris Mangrum, who fights for prison reform, Kanchan Don Hunter of Spiral Gardens in Berkeley, who advocates organic gardening, Imani Wilson-Shabazz of Plan C on medical abortion pill options and women's reproductive rights, and Barbara Howard, who fights for the well-being of West Oakland residents, just to name a few. Here are some of the programs that have spun to the KPFA airwaves after our participants graduated from the program. Apex, Asian Pacific Expression, Women's Magazine, Chocolate Beats, and Janine Edder's music program, Chocolate Octave, just to name a few. We were doing diversity, equity, and inclusion way before that phrase became widely used. Now tonight, we're asking that you help keep the station alive so that we can resume the training, development, and access that First Voice represents. Graduates from the First Voice Apprenticeship Program are part of the crew that keeps the station running during the day for Democracy Now!, Upfront, and Letters in Politics. Please, pledge whatever you can and voice your support to the powers that be to ensure that the First Voice Apprenticeship and Full Circle continue its mission of inclusion and bringing diverse voices to the air. No donation is too small or too large. Also, you can arrange to designate yourself as a KPFA sustainer, having your donation divided into small amounts to spread over the year. You can make a donation by going to kpfa.org and click on the Donate button. If you prefer to call in a donation, the number is 1-800-HEY-KPFA. That's 1-800-439-5732. Thank you. Thank you all. 
This is Joy Moore sending loving, healthy, peaceful vibes to the KPFA community here in Huchin, also known as Ohlone Territory, and to the listeners around the world. Thank you. Tonight's show is particularly special because we are live in the KPFA Performance Studio and we have with us the Ben Oni Orchestra under the direction of Dr. Curtis Shaw. So sit back and enjoy live jazz at its very best. God is all. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. The Ben Oni Orchestra under the direction of Dr. Curtis Shaw. And we just heard, uh, what was God bless the child? All right. All right. And uh, I guess we're just going to sit back and wait for the band to get prepared. And I'm sure we're going to have another great song. was the Ben Oni Orchestra, who are here live with us in the studio. That piece was entitled Mac the Knife. So as they prepare another song for us, Pauline, what do you what do you think about? This is amazing energy in the studio here. There are 20 wonderful musicians in this really tight orchestra. It's just fantastic. Um, this is one of those moments that you wished, you know, this was television. Absolutely. You're listening to Full Circle here at KPFA 94.1. Pauline and I am Tai 
are here joined in studio with the Ben Oni Orchestra under the direction of Dr. Curtis Shaw. And we would like to have a quick moment with Dr. Shaw, if we could, and ask a few questions. How you doing, brother? I'm doing real well. How are you? We're doing okay. Thanks a lot. We're doing okay. Thank you so much for joining us. It's our pleasure, and uh, we certainly are grateful to the studio and to your staff for having us here this evening. All right. Well, I guess we could start off by just asking, where does the uh, the Benoni name come from? Where did, how did the band get his name? Well, many folks ask about that name, and it is a name that's taken from the Bible. And you may recall that Jacob had 12 children, and they were en route, actually coming from their uncle Laban, and Rachel was in labor. She went into labor with her child and she had some problems while she was in labor because of the long route and the long destiny and the journey that they had traveled. But she was given birth at that time. It was time for her to give birth and she was having so many pains and so many troubles. She said, because this child has caused me so much pain and labor, I'm going to name him Ben-Oni which is the child of my labor and my pains. Of course, there was a little argument between her and Jacob. Jacob said, no, you'll name him Benjamin. <laughs> and as she breathed her last breath, she said his name is Ben-Oni. And so, Dr. Shaw, when did you give birth to the Ben-Oni Orchestra? <laughs> I tell you, you asked that question facetiously. No. But actually, we were, we were having some, some trouble. There was some turmoil that I was experiencing at the time. And uh, I knew that music had always been an outlet for me. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the church, and I grew up around music. Music had always been in my life, and it had always been an outlet, outlet and a venue. And we started Benoni in 1998, and we actually begun playing um, in my home. We didn't have a site at the time, and the band wasn't formed to the extent that it is now, and we took what we have. We didn't have the music that we even have now. We didn't have a lot of these things. And we went ahead with what I knew was a vision, something that needed to be done and something that had to be done. And it couldn't be stopped because of some of the royalties that you need to have when you start enterprises. Mm -hmm. It only started without any of those. And so how did you pull together this wonderful multicultural orchestra in front of me? They came one at a time, sometimes two at a time. It was sort of like when the master was out and he was calling in folk, this 12 disciples and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. You know, some, some were friends that I grew up with in high school, and um, some were, were business people that I'd known in, in the business world, and one by one. And actually, we, there are a couple of people here, William Mitchell in the rear and, and a couple of other folks, who we, we talked about the start of this process early, early on. William and I were playing in... Um, an orchestra in Danville at St. Isidore's under the mm-hmm. direction of a lady by the name of Barbara Choate. And she had an orchestra similar to this. And, of course, at St. Isidore's, they do masses. They don't do a lot of jazz, but they were doing a mass. And William and I were talking and saying, I was saying, you know, I, I can't wait till the day when we'll be able to have an orchestra mm-hmm. and we'll be able to travel. And we won't just have to play masses, but we'll be able to play every and anything that we want to play. You know, William was there and he was encouraging and saying, well, you know, we, we, we're starting to do it right now. 
we're starting to do it and this is part of you can see the vision you can see the formation of what is actually here right now and we started with that and we just kept going with it what kind of venues do you play mostly is uh, i know that looking at your website it uh was kind of mentioning that you you know perform for people that were in locked up situations and whatnot in churches or we've been to most places that i can think of around the bay area the community and we've extended our, the opportunity we've had the opportunity extended to us to play in churches i've certainly visited in some of the locked forensic facilities at san quentin prison and vacaville prison where i've done some ministry some pastoral care to some of the players there and uh, and around the berkeley area as well the last couple of years, we've focused primarily around churches. We particularly wanted to be able to take our services into the sacred places and to do something different, to use jazz as a way, as a vehicle for trying to help to increase participation in worship services. So we continued with the spirituality of the group. We continued with the concept and the idea of being able to help people, to be able to use music, and especially jazz. Jazz is the music that I've been around all my life. I've been around jazz music as long as I've been around church music. But I've noticed that the jazz music is the one genre of music that has not had the attention that some of the other genres have had. A, a professor at Cal State Hayward said that when you take jazz into the churches, one of the first things that you will have to do is to recognize the genius and the people who have made this music. See, a lot of folks associate the jazz with the nightclubs and with some of the, the things that have gone around, going on in the world. And But when you think of the churches, you think of a sacred place, and they think, well, that's not where jazz belongs. Mm -hmm. That's not what I've written. That's not, that's, that hasn't been my experience. My experience has been that jazz and music, E.W. Wainwright, in fact, said that jazz and music is a talent and a gift from God. And what we do with it is our gift back to God. And I find that to be so true. What we do with it is our gift back to God. So was jazz the subject of your um, dissertation research? Indeed it was. I, there was. I had some difficulty with my um, committee members. I graduated from PSR. And there wasn't the, the unfamiliar character about this dissertation is that there wasn't a format. So anytime you do anything for the first time, there's always a difficulty and an unfamiliarity mm -hmm. about it. So they were saying, well, we don't know how you're going to do this. Which, which part of the dissertation are you going to write about? It's such a huge project. Are you going to write about just forming the orchestra? Are you going to write about just gathering the music? Are you going to write about the history of how jazz started? What are you going to do? And we, it took us some time to actually figure out what part of jazz and the outlet were we going to write about? And I say we because the committee members were there with me every step of the way. 
What was the title of the dissertation? Um, Taking Jazz Orchestras into Churches to Improve Participation in Worship Services. And the one, yeah, yeah, and, it, and yeah. it was and it was beautiful because we got a chance to go to uh, Catholic churches, Presbyterian churches, churches. I think we went across borders and across different lines and played in a variety of different churches. We just did a Mardi Gras at Saint Sebastian the Martyr. Mm. Um, maybe and you didn't let so. us know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do another one. Actually, Absolutely. there's another Mardi Gras coming up. Well, I wanted to give you a chance to speak about the program we talked about yesterday that you're doing in the churches over in Richmond with the. Wonderful. In fact, that's where we're going to have the next Mardi Gras. And actually, Ben Oni, and I need to thank these members because they have been a part of another birth. There's been another orchestra that has been born because of Ben Oni. Okay. And it is the Youth Orchestra at Grace Lutheran Church. And it is the offset of this band, and it is because of this band that that young orchestra is there and making headway and playing their way into the communities and getting the experience of what it is to play jazz and to be involved in jazz music in their life at an early age. It's, it's, I'm just sitting back and taking in just this the the view in front of me with the horn section and we got the, the trumpets in the back and the pianos and the guitars and the drums. It's just a magical, a magical experience. So we really appreciate you being here. It's really wonderful and a wonderful experience and I myself and then all the, the rest of the members and it's always good to have Brother Chuck Ham, Charles Hamilton, on the set with us. All right. All right. So hopefully we can hear a little bit later on in the uh, in the Yes show. indeed. Yes all indeed. Right. All right. So he would let him take it away again.
just heard what's going on from the Ben Oni Orchestra. That program was originally broadcast in February 2006. This is one way that we at First Voice and Full Circle help further the original Pacifica mission to quote, encourage, and provide outlets for the creative skills and energies of the community and to offer performance facilities to amateur instrumentalists, choral groups, orchestral groups, and music students, end quote. Recording local bands has been a long tradition for us. We've recorded Omaya, The Brothers John, Jazz Sawyer, Los Insontles, Faye Carroll, Aisha Fukushima, Shelley Doty, Sisters in the Pit, and many more. We're hoping to revisit that tradition soon, and we're hoping that you'll help support this first voice apprenticeship program so that we'll be here to bring community voices and music from the community to the KPFA airwaves. We're hoping to keep the first voice apprenticeship program going. We're asking for your support. Financially, yes, and through voicing your support of this groundbreaking concept. It's been modified and adapted by other broadcast venues, but First Voice was first. And yes, our graduates have helped keep the station functioning as board operators and technical producers for many, many years. Our technical director, Frank Sterling, has been a key component in bringing broadcasts from Alcatraz and other remote locations 
to the KBFA Air. Now, donation information. Anyone who donates in any amount is entitled to a complimentary digital audio copy of presentations from the KPFA Winter Storytelling for Social Change Collection. Ricky Vincent talking about his book, Party Music, about the Black Panther Party Band. Cat Brooks interviewing Erica Huggins about the book, Sister Comrades, Women of the Black Panther Party. And James Baldwin in 1979 concerning the condition of black people in the United States. Being a sustaining donator helps the station and allows you to have a small amount go to the station each month instead of a one-time large chunk. You can donate by going to kpfa.org and click on the donate button. You can also donate by calling 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-439-5732 or 1-800-HEY. KPFA. This is Full Circle, the magazine program produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. We're here on KPFA 94.1 FM or kpfa.org. Now let's continue with an additional part of the Ben Oni story. In 2017, Years after the original Benoni Adult Orchestra was in the KPFA Performance Studio, we were able to bring in the Benoni Youth Orchestra. They were interviewed by Song, the daughter of our first voice graduate, Orca Raptalan, as well as Emma and Huey, the children of graduate Joseph Estrada and his wife, Catalina. Now let's listen to their lovely voices. Can you guys tell us your names? My name's Unique. My name's Carla. My name's Savannah. And my name is Liliana. How did you choose your instrument? I've always wanted to play an instrument, and violin was the most interesting to me because it just, it looked fun, but at the same time, it was really intricate, and it looked very interesting to learn how to play. My name is Unique, and I uh, play several instruments, but the one that really clicked with me was violin. Uh, my mother introduced me to Dr. Shaw when I was seven years old, and that's when I started. It just clicked with me. Like Unique, I also play multiple instruments, but ever since I've gotten to play violin, I feel like it's the instrument that's the most inspiring because I just feel like it's really calming to me. Um, the reason I played um, violin is because I felt like it was fun and interesting to learn. Who's the youngest member in your group? Um, Emily. She is. She's six. Do you get nervous or stage fright before going on stage? It depends on the situation or who I'm around. That's actually a good question and uh no, I haven't been like st- I haven't had stage fright since I was a little girl because it, I I I just like people <laughs> and like it just clicks with me. I actually do get scared sometimes because I feel like I'm a mess up and I get scared. Um I get stage fright all the time mostly because I'm very shy around people I don't know and like Liliana said I feel like um I'm just going to make a mistake at the worst time possible. 
Who are some of your mentors or musicians that have influenced you? My mentor is Nick Jonas and Rihanna. Well, ever since I was little, I've always listened to my dad playing his instruments around the house, and then he brought me one day to Dr. Shaw, and I really thank him for that because I've had a really good experience so far. Does any of your parents play music? None of my parents play music. No. My parents have played music. My mom sings. My mom's brothers and sisters, they all play music. Uh, drums and the bass guitar and the lead guitar. It's it's a lot of uh, musicians in our family, and it kind of ends with me. Um, well, pretty much everybody in my family, my dad plays a lot of instruments. Um, he plays in a band. Um, yeah. My dad used to record. What kind of music do you all listen to when you're not playing it? I listen to hip-hop and R&B. I do, too. Hi, I'm Unique. <laughs> and <laughs> I listen to a lot of music. Uh, I listen to gospel first and foremost because I'm a Christian. And um, after that, it's rock and R&B, uh, hip hop, and a lot of country. A lot of country. <laughs> um, there's a wide variety of music that I listen to, ranging from K-pop um, to hip hop. Yeah. What projects are you currently working on? Any CDs, concerts, tour, etc.? We're working on a CD. Uh, at the moment, it's pretty good. We're working really hard. Uh, we're putting in hours with Dr. Shaw at the church at Grace Lutheran. And we've been doing good. We're also working on a, a DVD. And yeah. And we're working on a CD and a DVD and we're working on playing more intricate songs and getting to another level. We're even furthering it to summer music camp. It's uh, this summer and uh, is at Grace Lutheran Church and we're just welcoming all type of talents there. You just heard an interview with members of the Benoni Youth Orchestra led by Reverend Curtis Shaw. Now let's listen to some of their music. <laughs> Thank you. 
brings us to the end of our show tonight. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. For those who want to hear more of the Benoni Orchestra, their ballads and inner city sounds can be found on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, AllMusic, Amazon, and Rate Your Music. COVID-19 probably put a big dent in the Benoni Youth Orchestra and the summer camps. Current information is lacking. Our Full Circle crew includes Frank Sterling, our technical director, Joy Moore, our production consultant, members of Group 46, Pamela Lyons, Shiloh Burton, and Basim Al-Haddad. I'm Mickey Mays, the training director. Also a longtime board operator and former producer of About Health with Dr. Lenore. All the result of skills I gain from... That brings us to the end of our show tonight. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. For those who want to hear more of the Benoni Orchestra, their ballads and inner city sounds can be found on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, AllMusic, Amazon, and Rate Your Music. COVID-19 probably put a big dent in the Benoni Youth Orchestra and the summer camps. Current information is lacking. Our Full Circle crew includes Frank Sterling, our technical director, Joy Moore, our production consultant, members of Group 46, Pamela Lyons, Shiloh Burton, and Basim Al-Haddad. I'm Mickey Mays, the training director. Also a longtime board operator and former producer of About Health with Dr. Lenore. All the result of skills I gain from being a participant in the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Let's keep it going. Please stay tuned for Nuestros Compañeros de la Onda Baita. We'll close with the Ben Oni Orchestra rendition of Sea Jam Blues. Oh,